This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jet in Seattle. And Jet, what a bad week for the Jets. Oh, man. Well, it's been a bad couple weeks for the, the Jet family here. We just got back from New York and had a couple of um, passings, uh, and so that didn't go too well. And uh, the loss of injury was just kind of like the exclamation point on just a terrible couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, it started uh, you know, with Alex Lewis retiring, and, I mean, he'd been with the team five years and all that stuff. I mean, how much of a loss was that? Well, that was a weird situation because remember he had that blow up with Gaze last year, right? And I, and there was some issues or wondering or rumblings that he may have some sort of head injury issues or some sort of psych issues in addition to any type of physical maladies. And I'm wondering this is just more more uh, uh, internal health problems that he's having. But whatever is wrong, I just hope he finds whatever he needs because. It seems like he's kind of been on the edge here for the last year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. and uh, the behavior's been a little strange. And so I just hope he, you know, gets what he needs. But um, I just hope he's okay, you know, physically and mentally. But that was that was a little weird. And again, you know, the one place that they really don't have a whole lot of depth is at guard. And uh, you know, to some extent, you know, they played reasonably well. Against the uh, you know the the Giants, but of course that was a second string yeah. defense they're playing. But they still uh, you know I mean they they had you know Van Routen at, at right guard and I guess they're kind of sold on him. But uh, they had the guy they got from San Diego Freeney at, at left guard and you know man yeah, Vera Tucker wasn't playing because he's hurt. But you know guard is it, they they really need to sew up those guard positions and. You know, they need work, and their pass, pass defense has not been good, quite frankly. I guess from what I've been reading, it's not been good against the Packers, and it really hasn't been good against the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> so they've really got to shore up that uh, that pass protection because they got to keep that kid on his feet. Right. Because, man, he, he's slight. Yeah, I mean, again, that's that's the thing. When you look at him, he just seems so small. I mean, what is it, 6'2", a little bit over 200 pounds and all that stuff. He just seems so slight, and you kind of wonder, it's like, really? Can that work out as the second pick in the draft? Well, we'll find out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, but um, the, the thing that, that, that troubled me, I, we talked about this. I mean, when I saw him in the draft, and, of course, he's got a suit on. Yeah. But the kid's got no shoulders. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know really how you're going to put a heck of a lot of weight on this kid because he just doesn't have the frame. And so that's going to be interesting. But uh, he didn't look too bad against the Giants, though. I mean, yeah, the second-string defense. But, you know, he moved the ball. He made the throws, made a couple of, uh, you know, tight window throws and uh, didn't seem overwhelmed by the situation and moved the team. And, of course, they were able to run the ball, which I think they're going to be able to do pretty well this year. Um, That's one thing I think they're going to do pretty well is run the ball. Well, what what, what, what do they have at running back? John, it, it, it doesn't matter. They have a reasonable committee which seems to be the way of the NFL these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the guy that they got from Detroit, Ty Johnson, he certainly has played well when he got the chance to play. See, part of the problem last year was Gay suppressed all these guys because of his love affair with Frank Gore. 
Um, but I think, you know, I, I think Ty Johnson, he looked reasonably well. He's got some speed. Uh, I think Michael Carter will be okay. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm not sure about Pirine, but he's the one that's different. He's not a, like a smaller speed scat back guy. He's about the closest they have to more of a power runner. And, of course, they got the guy that they got as free agent who's injury problems from San Francisco. So they've got a stable of running backs. Oh, and also, don't forget Adams mm-hmm. that they uh, picked that, that uh, they picked up from Philadelphia about a year, year and a half ago. So they've got, they, they've got guys that can run the ball. I mean, these guys aren't total stiffs. Uh, the problem, you know, at times has been, you know, you know, holes to run behind. But I think they're going to be able to run the ball. So I'm not really concerned about that committee of running backs to be quite candid with you, and most of them can catch the ball as well. Um, well, my big concern is keeping uh, keeping Wilson upright. Yeah, no question about it. Then, of course, uh, the big news this week is Carl uh, Lawson ends up uh, going out as Achilles tendon, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, he looks so good as far as you know adding to their pass rush to switch to the 4-3, and now he's out for the season. I mean, he was just dominant. Um and, you know, as we talked to you know, way back in the spring, he was the one free agent that I hoped that the Jets were going to go after because mm-hmm. uh, I'd locked on him last year and in the off season, and I was just so elated when they signed him because I thought he was the right guy for the right spot at the right time. He's 26. I mean, he can get to the, he can get to the quarterback. Um, he's exactly what the Jets needed. And, uh, you know, I mean, is he the most important player on the team? No. But he's a very important player, and I think he's a difference maker on that defense. But, you know, uh, it's not as if he's going to knock them out of the championship game this year. No, no, no. So if it's going to happen, now's a good time. It happened early. He's got a full year to recover. That, I guess, if you're looking for, you know, some sort of silver lining, there it is. And the other thing it's going to give a chance is, is let the kids step up and let's see who's going to step up and play. Yeah. I mean, they got that kid Bryce Huff that was under the radar. He was an undrafted free agent uh, last year, and he played. He had some good moments last year, and he had, I think, he had a couple good plays against the Giants because I was peeing on him. And you know, I mean, I was hoping he was going to come off the other end, and these him and Lawson would would be a nice duo, but that puts an awful lot of pressure on him. But you know, all these other kids are going to have to step up, and we'll see what these guys got. But, you know, obviously don't have any other pass rushers, but, uh, you know, they, they still have a wealth of defensive linemen, so they can still scheme their way around. The one thing I was impressed with against the Giants, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with the Packers, is those two safeties that they drafted, the kid from uh, Auburn and the other kid from Florida or Florida State. I don't know if their name's committed to memory yet because we'll see. But they were interesting against the Giants, and I'm interested to see how they're going to continue to integrate these two kids. But I think you're look, they're going to put some weight on those kids and turn them more into linebackers. But I think you're looking at a little bit of, uh, of young versions of Cam Chancellor. These guys can run and hit, and they can cover the field. So I'm very interested to see how they're going to develop these kids. And, uh, you know, maybe they can help pick up the slack with a, you know, with a rush, for example. Um, it helps maybe just change the scheme a little bit. But I think watch these two kids because it's going to be interesting. I think they've got plans for them, and I think they've got the ability. And these guys are just run-and-hit kind of guys. Yeah, and on the same day that Carl Lawson blew out his Achilles, Zane Lewis, a safety, ended up tearing a uh, pectoral muscle and also you know, suffering a little bit of an ACL sprain. And he's out for the season. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, as we always talk about, depth is not their mm-hmm. forte. No, although it's especially in the defensive backfield. But at least it wasn't cornerbacks. It was a safety, and we've got other safeties. Um, Joiner played well against the Giants, by the way. Uh, he definitely seems much, much happier being back at safety than anything that uh, Gruden tried to do with him uh, the last couple of years. So that's a good sign as well. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they bring this afternoon against the Packers. Um, but it's kind of frustrating because nobody's really playing their, you know, their first string players. So it's kind of hard to gauge yeah. how well these, how far along these guys are and how well they're doing because I don't see know they're not taking this pregame series, the, the preseason game seriously, but um, they're, they're just kind of more dress rehearsals and trying to round out their rosters than really getting any reps for their starters. And, I think it also bodes poorly for the kind of the level of football we're going to see for the month of September, as everybody turns into Belichick and uses it more as a glorified preseason. Yeah, no doubt, because again, it's like, uh, you know, like last week there was 522 players that uh, did not play in the uh, of the 32 yeah. teams, 16.6 per team. That's brutal. Yeah, you know, I mean that, that that's uh, I can understand they're they're being concerned about it, but. Um, you know that just that just that's just going to make for a sloppy September. Mm-hmm. There's just no way around it. And just think about it. I mean, unless you know, okay, say for example, you're the the Bucks, and you've got a veteran squad that's played together last year. The base of the same squad is coming back this year with the same scheme. Okay, great. You know, you can you don't need a whole lot of fine tuning in game situations. But I mean, how many of these teams have new coaches, new coordinators, new quarterbacks, new personnel? And football is nothing but timing, mm-hmm. and you only get timing one way: repetition. You know, and uh, it just really doesn't bode well for the quality of football we're going to see. No, and I mean, and that's the thing about the Jets. It's like it's not as if they have enough talent to say we can afford to lose players. They don't, and so it's like uh, you know, like when you look at it last year with C.J. Mosley opting out for the season. I mean, Frank Gore was the only Pro Bowl player they had on the 53-man roster. <clears throat> and you, you look at Carl Lawson, you say, you know, he's Pro Bowl quality, and now he's gone for the season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you talk about some of the units that are just so paper thin, like mm-hmm. the offensive line, for example. I mean, if you get a big injury to one of their starters, like, um, you, you're, you're, you're crushed. Uh, so they're slowly building depth, but they don't have it yet. And, you know, they're in the middle of the program, the rebuild, and... So, like you said, anything you know, in some of these units, particularly, they're paper, paper thin. Yeah. Um, but they've really got to resolve what they're doing at guard. Uh, hopefully, Vera Tucker can get on the field here pretty soon because uh, he's again a rookie needs reps. Mm-hmm. He's got to work with Beckton. He's got to work with McGovern. The kid needs to play. There's no substitute for it. You know, there are no drills that can that can manufacture a game situation against NFL caliber players going full speed. And they've got to get these kids out there. But, hey, one thing that was a positive, though, was Denzel Mims rose from the dead and uh, played himself a nice game against the Giants. Unfortunately, he got nicked up a little mm-hmm. bit in practice, I think, yesterday. But that was a good sign. It looks like there's a little fire under his butt. Yeah, but that's the thing. Is like, uh, I mean, you, you kind of wonder. It's like, okay, there was like 16 teams 
that had uh, joint practices this week. And, of course, obviously the Jets had more injuries in their joint practice in Green Bay than they did uh, any other team in the league. And it's like, uh, you know, you can see why Pete Carroll wants to shy away from stuff like that. Well, I guess, and this is what I don't know because I've never seen them, but how do they conduct these, you know, two team mm-hmm. uh, practice sessions? Is it like kind of a, a, a kind of like a scrimmage situation, you know, kind of like a, 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 an external green and white game, or is it uh, because uh, if they are amping up those uh, the, those uh, practices, well, like for example in yeah. L.A., they ended up having a, a, a brawl, yeah, you know, between the Chargers and uh, and and the Raiders there. I mean, are they all that always that intense? I mean, you've you've been to these. I, I've not, I, so I don't know how they conduct. I mean, normally things, the but. coaches try to control things, but again, things got out of control in Tennessee, Tampa Bay. Things got out of control with the uh, with the Raiders, and it's like, yeah, it's, uh, Raiders and Rams. I mean, that was a mess. It's not good. Hey, Jet, thank you for the phone call. All right, take care, John. Let's hope. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Let's hope this week goes better. All right, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Robert in Bothell. Hey, Robert. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call, man. Thank you um, for i got to get your opinion on this. What do you think of the Seahawks, if they did it, mandatory proof of vaccination? I was just reading on the the old Duke coach um, had a, a special meeting, you know, a uh, paid yeah. where you had to pay. And 84 people, I guess, have been exposed to Legionnaire disease. And I want to go to a Seahawks game. And I want to yell and scream when they score a touchdown in defense. But knowing the science that if some guy next to me is not vaccinated and I'm still vaccinated, I could still get it. Mm-hmm. Or I could still spread it to someone who hasn't been vaccinated. How come it would be such a big issue if they decided? And what would your be opinion if Seahawks Lumenfield said everyone has to be vaccinated to go into the stadiums. I mean, we're, we're starting to see that coming out from different teams, so it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and you know Governor Inslee is uh, one that can be you know, very strict about things. But, uh, you know, I think that you kind of, you know, take it as, as it goes. And, uh, you know, you don't want to have any kind of spread. There's no question about that. But obviously there's got to be a concern because now, you know, with the uh, – you know, the Delta is that uh, COVID-19. It's like what you have mm-hmm. is that uh, now vaccinated people are getting uh, getting it. Now, again, they don't get this. They don't have the problems that you would have if you're unvaccinated. But uh, no, it wouldn't surprise me if they do it. I wouldn't. You know, I still think you leave the options open. But uh, you, you can maybe see a lot of stadiums are heading in that direction. Now, uh, you know, if. If people refuse to do it, could they have like one section, you know, like those that have not been vaccinated and those, you know, because I'm reading that some season ticket holders for mm-hmm. the Seahawks are saying, forget it. I'm not going to the game. Yeah. You know, I spent a lot of money. I'm just going to stay home and watch it on TV. Yeah, I don't think you can take and, one section because remember, it's like uh, you're paying for where you're seated. And so true. it's not like uh, this is open seating or anything like that. And so that I think would be very difficult to do. That, my last question for you, sir. 
do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they still have Ben Roethlisberger, is they're in my team mm-hmm. T- technically? You know, before like I've said this before, before there was the Seahawks, there was always so I was a Steelers fan, still am. Yeah. Do you think even if we have Ben and if you know he's getting older, yeah. Are we still a playoff contender? Yes, 100%. I mean, you know, the defense is, you know, one of the top uh, for talent in the National Football League. You know, I thought they made a good deal in getting Joe Schobert from Jacksonville. That turned out to work well. And so, uh, you know, I think they're going to run the ball more, and they need to run the ball more because they were so bad running it last year. And say what you want. I mean, I think Ben is kind of being overlooked by a lot, and I don't know yeah. if that's, that's good. But, I no, I think that they're still a playoff team. Right on, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Have a good weekend. All right, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Coming up next, Gary Hill will talk some Mariners. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. And joining us is Gary Gary Hill from the Mariner Broadcasting Team, and of course runs everything, does a great job on the play-by-play. But boy, last night, Yusei Kikuchi was really off. Houston was really on. You know, all the home runs, the seven runs given up by Kikuchi. What I mean, this is one of the worst performances we've seen from a guy that's pitched so well this year. Yeah, he's had a really good year, and last night was not his night. There's no doubt about that. He just. You know, it's one of those nights where he just left a lot of balls uh, out over the plate, and unfortunately, against a team like Houston, you just you can't do that. A couple of walks along the way as well, and boy, they bashed the ball around. I think they had eight balls, a hundred plus miles per hour off the bat against Houston, and that was it was just a forgettable night all the way around for him. That's for sure. And as you point out, in what has been a really good year, but uh, hopefully he'll bounce back next time around because they're yeah. going to need him down the stretch. They really are. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, of course, I mean, that this road trip started so well with the crazy series against the Texas Rangers. I mean, you know, the ninth inning where they, you know, blew the 7-2 lead and then were able to win the game in extra innings. But still getting that sweep against Texas is huge because, at least until last night, they were 10 games above five hundred. Yeah, and, I mean, that's a great place to be as we head down the stretch here in August. And that was a big sweep because you look at this trip, you know the Houston series is going to be really tough, and then you have the A's on the back end of this trip as well. So to set up a good road trip, it felt like you really needed to get the sweep. And they did. It wasn't always pretty, (laughs) but they got the sweep, and that's what matters. So uh, they have a good pitching matchup, I think, tonight to try and uh, get back even in the series, but again, Houston in their place is, is not an easy place to play, especially when they can swing it. Uh, Mariners pitching has been so good in August. They had the second best ERA in baseball coming into the game last night. But the key against Houston, you just can't rely, especially in their building, to win, you know, scoring a couple runs or three runs. They're going to have to find a way to bash the ball around as well against the Astros. What's the pitching look right, right now for Houston over the next two days? So Odorizzi goes tonight, and he's been up and down. Uh, it's been more of a struggle at times for you know just an all-star a couple of years ago. He's not been able to regain that form. So the mm-hmm. Mariners have a chance offensively to get some things done in the game today, which would be great. Uh, Framber Valdez is going to go tomorrow. Good lefty. It's going to be a tough matchup on that side. Tyler Anderson will go for the Mariners tomorrow, which will will be fun for him. He's pitched four times for the Mariners and three times against Texas. So he gets a chance at another team, which would be pretty great. But he's been really good. 
It's been kind of the, the quiet story, I think, of the trade deadline is uh, Tyler Anderson has really solidified the rotation in a spot where they desperately needed somebody to step in. I mean, they were doing bullpen days for the most part uh, before he came aboard. He's really just given them five, six innings, given them a chance to win every time, which is exactly what they needed in that spot. He's been a huge pickup. I know when I was talking to people back in Pittsburgh, which I do all the time, is that they said, oh, yeah, he's a guy uh, very consistent. I mean, he'll go five innings, give up three runs, but he's pitched better than that since coming out here. Yeah, he has. And part of that is, I mean, he has faced the Rangers three times, and their offense is it, they're just not a good offensive club. So part of it is matchup. But you're right. He is one of those guys, especially when you're talking about back end of the uh, rotation. I mean, that, that's what you want consistency that's mm-hmm. what you're looking for at the back end uh, you just want a guy that will give you five six keep you in the game give you a chance to win i mean you'll take that each and every time i, I think he's actually in pittsburgh was a little bit better than that too i think he pitched more like a maybe even a number three he was he was that good so uh, he, he's done himself well too this is a, a big year for him you know he, he was with san francisco before that colorado before that and uh, struggled in 2019 so this is a nice year personally for the former duck is he'll get a chance no doubt at a a rotation spot next year somewhere in baseball by the way mariner news uh looks like uh diego castillo ends up going on the uh, injured list with a shoulder inflammation and they've recalled Mm -hmm. robert duggers duger so what happened there yeah so i just saw that come across as well i'm not shocked by that uh, considering what we saw last time out from Castillo, and his fastball is at 91, and you know, that kind of set up a red flag for me. That's just not the kind of guy he is. Uh, he's got wicked stuff. Uh, we haven't seen it. just wasn't sharp last time. 91 fastball. I mean, he's a guy that can touch 97. He sits in the mid-90s, so that, that set up a red flag for me. His slider wasn't as crisp last time. He is one of the best relievers in baseball. And I know Mariner fans have been uh, frustrated the last couple of times out. Although, I mean, I think went five scoreless before the home run last time against Texas. But he, he truly is one of the best relievers in baseball. So hopefully this will be a, a quick trip to the IL, back in short order, and he can help out here down the stretch because they, they really need him down the stretch too because he can be a big piece for them at the back end of the bullpen. Cause he's, he's really good. He really is. How do you kind of look back at that trade with uh, with Hughes and with Castillo, or the trade that got Castillo here? And I mean, obviously he he struggled initially, then he got into a groove, then of course now probably because of the shoulder. I mean, he's had some problems. How do you look at the way that that trade went? Well, it's it's funny. It's one of the more complicated deadlines I think they've ever had. But I mean, at the end of the day, you have to love what Toro has given you offensively. And that can't be ignored, Uh, not only for short-term, but long-term as well, because he has provided a lot of punch in a spot where, frankly, they just have not gotten a lot of offense this year. And they've needed it. They've uh, we all know this, the numbers and the story. And they've had real struggles at times offensively. And and Toro has been uh, a significant contributor. He's been in the lineup every single day since he came over, and he's provided some punch. And not only for short-term, but long-term as well. And I think at the end of the day, when we look at this a couple of years back, a couple of years from now, and 
with the potential of Toro being an everyday guy, it's a trade you have to make. I mean, if you like the guy as much as they say they like him, and so far so good from mm-hmm. what we've seen, no doubt about that. And, you know, at the same time, Joe Smith came over. He's not given up a run in eight outings. Uh, they replaced Graveman with Castillo at the back end, who I think is an upgrade. Now, the injury is unfortunate, but there's no way of predicting that. Uh so all in all, especially with Anderson, it's been a really positive deadline for the Mariners. I don't think there's any way you can say otherwise, given mm-hmm. uh, the contributions of Toro and Anderson, and uh, of course with Joe Smith as well has been good. Yeah, no question. And so, uh, yeah, but bad, yeah, bad news on Castillo because again, goes on the injured list, shoulder inflammation, and as you mentioned, a uh, fastball goes down to about 91 miles an hour. I tell you, the thing that's I think so impressive right now about the Mariners is that position by position, you know, th- with the young guys that they have out there, they're looking so good. Yeah, uh, they really are. You can start to see it come together. I, I think is is what's exciting. And I know they're playing above their head uh, when it comes to run differential, but when you map this out moving forward and you look at, uh, especially with the young arms coming up as well, and they've done it without Kyle Lewis and some other guys that you'd love to see here as well contribute, but you can you can see the form. You can see the group moving forward, and it's pretty exciting, I think, when you look at this and then you compare where the Mariners are at and what's coming with where other teams in the division are at and what's coming. And I have some questions about what the Angels are going to do in the offseason. Texas is going to be in a rebuild mode. I have some questions about what the A's are going to do. I think this is going to be a very interesting offseason for the A's because I think they have some really big decisions to make. They're going to lose a couple of big guys as well. Uh, the Astros are still going to be good for the next couple of years. That offensive core is there. But uh, their farm system is pretty dry as well. Uh, this looks to be timing out really well for the Mariners. And I expect them, them to be in contention next year. They're in contention right now for a playoff spot, but I expect them to be in contention next year. And this could be the, the window. Uh, it feels like the window is opening now, which is very exciting. Yeah, I mean, would you say they're a year or two years ahead of where they're supposed to be? You know, it's funny. It's hard to say just because of last year. Last year was such a weird year, and I think it hurt a team like the Mariners more than most because they lost an entire year of development for guys. It's so many young players, Mm -hmm. right, coming up through the system. They shouldn't play. And there's a lot of just guys in no man's land. They did the best they could with it, but what can you do? I mean, when you don't have minor league baseball, it's just a lost year for a lot of guys. So I I don't know. I think it threw the timing of everything off quite a bit. And so I, I, it's hard for me to say if they're ahead or behind or whatever else, just because last year was such a weird year. And I'm hoping this season that uh, this off season, there's going to be, uh, some names to help in the free agent market, I think, to supplement the the offense with a couple of vets would really help and be significant for this team moving forward. They have some arms coming, which is exciting. Uh, they're going to have what looks to be a pretty vicious bullpen coming back when you add a couple of premium arms to the mix as well. So it's going to be a big offseason for the Mariners the way I look at it. Yeah. Well, who do you, is there any way they can try to keep uh... – uh, Kyle Seager next year because boy, I mean, he's had such a great year. It's like every time he comes up to bat, he does so many good things. I mean, what does he have? 28 home runs right now. He's got so many good doubles and all those different things. Is there any way they can kind of keep him? 
Well, they could. They could exercise the option if they want. He's had an amazing second half. He 12 home runs in the second half, which is pretty incredible. I mean, there's only Joey Votto is the only guy in baseball with more home runs in the second half than Kyle Seeger, and and Votto has 17. And just to put that in context a little bit, Kyle's got 12 home runs. The Pirates have 19 as a team. So it just gives you an idea of what Kyle Seeger has been doing at the plate. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about Kyle. In a lot of ways, he's kind of a symbolic of the Mariners' offense this season, where you know, the Mariners have not hit for average. Kyle really hasn't hit for average. Uh, doesn't have a great on-base percentage. The Mariners don't have a great on-base percentage. But the Mariners can hit home runs, and especially in the clutch. And that's what Kyle Seeger has done so well. He's hit home runs with guys aboard, and seemingly when the Mariners have really needed it. So, to me, he's been really symbolic of what this year has been offensively for the Mariners. Uh, they've embraced the bash when they've really needed it. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I tell you, Ty France has also had such a great year, too. Boy, he continues to do just great things. Yeah, no doubt. He's been so good. He's so fun to watch. It's funny, you kind of forget how young he is in his Major League Baseball career just because he looks like such a pro, such a pro veteran hitter. And I was looking at it yesterday. Uh, Think about this. So he's spent parts of two seasons now with the Mariners. He's played 136 games with the Mariners, so approaching a full season. So as a Mariner, he's batting 292, excellent, 360 on base percentage, really good, 16 home runs, and 31 doubles. I mean, that is a really good slash line. You'll take that every time. And you couple that with what he has done defensively at first base. He's been He's been really good over there at first base uh, defensively. One of the top uh, first basemen in the American League, according to defensive run save, behind just Olsen from Oakland, which, yeah, I mean, that's, that's no shame yeah. on that. He's one of the best there is defensively. But you put all that together, and I think he's been the best player in the Mariners this year. Wow. I mean, but then you have J.P. Crawford, who's you know such a great fielder, and he's been hitting well and doing all those different things. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, he said... He's had such a good season for the M's. I mean, defensively, he's been there all season long. He's ridden the wave a little bit offensively. He's had some ups and downs, but he, of course, had the, the month in June where he was just phenomenal offensively. But overall, I think you love everything that uh, JP brings to the table. I mean, he's such a good shortstop. Let's just start right there. I mean, to have a guy, especially with a rotation that doesn't strike out a ton of guys, especially in today's baseball terms. You know, a lot of ground balls, a lot of balls in play. Having a shortstop that can vacuum everything is critical. And he's been a huge part of this rotation's success. I mean, you look at the ERA uh, for the rotation of the bullpen, and it's been really good. And I think part of that story is you have to give J.P. Crawford credit and how good he's been defensively. No doubt. I think also what's been impressive, too, defensively is how well the outfield has done as far as catching balls because, I mean, there seems to be a lot of balls that head right toward the wall, and sure enough, they make the catch. Yeah. It's a good defensive uh, good defensive outfield going right now. I, I think Tonic has played well in center field this year. And it seems to be getting better and better as the season has gone. Uh, Fraley has been a plus defender in left field as well. I feel like he's gone unnoticed a little bit. It's good to see he stands going back to the wall. Kellett uh, had a pretty big crash into the wall last night. He was holding his elbow a little bit, but saving the game. So that was a good sign moving forward. Hanniger, of course, is Hanniger. He's been a steady vet in right field. So 
Especially, uh, and I go back to this, uh, Kyle Lewis injury, I think is the one that has hurt the Mariners the most. You, you lose your center fielder, you lose a guy, and you could really use his production right now. That is production that you could really, really use. But uh, defensively, Kellnick has stepped in and, and done a fine job in center field, so that's been great to see. And hopefully, uh, we'll see Kyle Lewis before the year's out, which would be great. Okay, Gary Hill, uh, see if they can bounce back from last night's loss to Houston. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, anytime. Hopefully they can. We'll yeah. see what happens today. It should be fun. Okay, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Also taking your text questions on the Mac and Jack's text line. That's at 710-710. Let's go to Chris in Everett. Hey, Chris. Hey, John. How you been, man? Good. How about you? Hey, I'm kind of really excited for the Hawks. You could get back in that in that mode to get back to the playoffs and the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like this team. I don't know. Uh, it didn't seem like... Oh, they, the Broncos? Well, no, I, 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 I mean, I like the Broncos because I think that they have a chance to be a playoff team, and I certainly like the Seahawks. So, yeah, it should be an interesting game tonight. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me, you know, um, but I will get, but I'll ask you questions too. Like, like back in that 2013 season, yeah. I, I uh, this is this is crazy, John. I'm kind of like you. I'm trying to be like an expert like you. I've been like with this back in 2013. I right in the middle of preseason. Okay, and, and I'm like, <clears throat> I'll pick. This is like during the preseason, John. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Seattle versus. The Broncos and the Super Bowl, and that, and that did happen. And um, so, anyways, a couple of questions um, is uh, wow, he's not getting no surgery, huh? What's uh, that again? Uh, um, tight end uh, surgery. He's not getting no surgery. No, Colby uh, Parkinson's not getting surgery. No. No, why is that? Uh, doesn't need it. I mean, apparently. <clears throat> it's still a broken foot, but it, it's not yeah. as bad as the one that he had last year. And oh, so, I see. And so now instead of him being out months, it's now going to be a matter of weeks. Hmm. Hey, um, what do you think about this, Ricky? I know Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson wants to to um, uh, practice with them. Yeah. Like early, early in the morning. Mm-hmm. I saw that on social media, and that's pretty cool. That that new wide receiver was got in the draft. Dwayne, Dwayne Eskridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, and I heard about like um, you were talking to on the radio here a few minutes about the Mariners. Uh, man, their bullpen is is doing a little bit better. Yeah. For right now. Yeah. Now so against Castillo goes on the injured list today, so that's going to be a setback. And I mean, you saw the problems that he had the other day, uh, giving up uh, the home run and all those different things. But uh, you know, it's a shoulder inflammation. But, uh, no, the bullpen, and I think Gary Hill brought out, I mean, what they've been, uh, maybe the second-best bullpen or something like that in the last month. And so that's that's nobody expected that. Yeah. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. wow. So, anyways, hey, uh, hey, last night, what do you think about, I'm not sure that was last night's game, but it was uh, uh, the Cardinals and the Chiefs. I saw the highlights. I was watching the highlights. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think did they? I know the Chiefs did better than the Cardinals, but the Cardinals did a little bit horrible. Yeah. What do you think about that game? 
I watched a little of it. I didn't get to see too much because, uh, you know, it's Friday night, date night. And so uh, we, you know, go out and have dinner and stuff like that. So I couldn't see a lot of it. I mean, uh, you can see that, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot out there for the main offense. I mean, certainly you saw a little bit of Patrick Mahomes. You know, Washington did some good things overall, and they're going to be a good defense. But I don't know how it's going to hold up with Ryan Fitzpatrick at uh, quarterback. But overall, I think you can see the Chiefs still have, right now, I think the best team in the AFC and the best chance to go to the Super Bowl. And uh, you, you can see there's still a little bit of good depth on that team, too. But, uh, yeah, it turned out to be a pretty even game as far as the way it went. But, of course, that's it's preseason, and, you know, what do you expect? Yeah. Hey, is it counter early? What's the odds if, like, the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl, or is that later? I mean, I mean, the odds can come out right now as far as the chance. I mean, you know, you want to see how they rate in the division and all that stuff because a lot of people don't think that they're going to win the division, and I think they will. Well, the Seahawks, yeah. I know they will. This year they yeah. will. Right, Professor? I think so, yeah. I mean, they won it last year with 12, and I, yeah. I still think that they're a little bit more talented. They've got, you know, more pass rush and uh, cornerback play. We'll see how that goes. I think they've still got the good offense because – that should work out. You know, they got the best quarterback in the division with Russell Wilson. So it's like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I think that's all positive. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, um, so like for the AFC, for mm-hmm. the playoffs and the Super Bowl, who do you think who might go back to the Super Bowl? Do you think there might be a different team or the same team? Yeah, I mean, usually it's hard to go back, but of course, Kansas City's now gone back two straight years, and they've got the best team. You know, I think that uh, the teams in the division are starting to catch up a little bit. I mean, Denver's catching up, and the Chargers are catching up. I think Buffalo and Cleveland, I mean, they're, they're candidates right now, but I still lean toward Kansas City. Yeah. Um, do you think we might have to rematch the Super Bowl with Pittsburgh and Seattle in the future? Mm, we'll see. I mean, right now, Pittsburgh, I think, is the third best team, a playoff team, but a third best team in the AFC North. I mean, Baltimore, I think, is a little bit better, and certainly Cleveland might be a little bit better, but you never can write off Pittsburgh because, again, they've got Ben Roethlisberger. They're going to have a good running game with Najee Harris. You know their defense is going to be real good, so you don't write them off. But, uh, yeah, that one's too early to tell because, again, I still look at the AFC, and I, I see about 11 teams that can compete for playoff spots. Yeah. Hey, uh, John, I'm just letting you know this. Uh, you're my favorite broadcaster. I listen to you during the week uh-huh. and on Saturday of all time. You, you're, you're, I mean, you're like one of my favorites. So I appreciate anyways. that. Thank you so hey. much. Yeah. Okay. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.